If everyone could turn to Hebrews chapter 11. I've been going here a lot because we, uh, eBible has opened up a new Twitter account, which is called October 7th, 2015, the end, with a question mark. And we've been advertising this, and it turns out that you know who the number one person is or, or the number one type of individual is that joins um, to follow this this uh, Twitter account, it's an atheist. Uh, I'd say over 90% of the people that have responded to the ad and are coming to the ad are atheists. Now, of course, they're doing it because um, they they want to mock and laugh and and to them, oh, I don't have to wait too long. The, the date's not that far off. And that's in their idea. It's another opportunity to prove there is no God and people who trust in him and the things of the Bible are wrong. But in the meantime, we're involved in a lot of discussion about God. And they often say, what's your evidence for the existence of God? Show me your evidence. And I go to this verse a lot in Hebrews and I'm going to read um, 1 through 7. The, the verse I go to is verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found, because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. And I'll stop reading there. Now, um, later on, uh, we're going to take a look at a few verses within uh, those seven and also a couple of others that are a little bit beyond in this same chapter. But I thought it would be good for us to talk about um, faith, hope, uh, which has everything to do with with the Bible has everything to do with salvation has everything to do with being a Christian it, it's it's all built upon faith and hope now faith we know whenever the Bible talks of saving faith it has the Lord Jesus Christ in view and that's throughout the whole Bible wherever we read that, that individuals are saved by faith. It's always the faith of Christ. 
And here it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. And the Greek word translated as substance is translated as confidence uh, earlier in Hebrews in chapter 3 and verse 14. It says, for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. And that's that same word translated as substance. And it's also interestingly translated as person in Hebrews chapter one. In um, uh, I'll start in verse two. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So Jesus is the one uh, being spoken of, and it says he's the express image of his person. And the word person is the word translated substance. It's only translated as person one time, but uh, this word isn't found too many times, and it gives us the option because that's one thing you can do when you're looking up the different ways God has translated a word. You can you can uh, learn from these other places, but you can also take that word and put it in the verse you're looking at. So if we did that, it would say, now faith is the person of things hoped for. Right away, we know, well, yes, of course, it is Christ. Faith is Christ. He is the person of everything we hope for. Everything that we do hope for is wrapped up in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation, uh, eternal life, uh, living with God forevermore in the new heaven and new earth. It's all, every bit of it um, concerns Jesus. Well, then it goes on to say, now faith is the substance or confidence or person of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And the word evidence is only found two times. Once here, it's Strong's number 1650, and once in 2 Timothy 3.16. And uh, I'm... I'm sure many of you are familiar with that verse. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And the word translated as evidence is the word reproof. It's the same Greek word. And and. That means we can read 2 Timothy 3.16 this way. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for evidence. The whole Bible is profitable for evidence. Evidence of what? Evidence of the claims it makes. It, it, evidence of the things not seen. 
If we go back to Hebrews 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We uh, Let's just think about a few things we can't see. God. Can we see God? No, we've never seen God. How about your own spirit within you? You know, that, that inner being that we all possess. You ever see it when you look in a mirror? No, we're stuck with the outward appearance. But that's an invisible thing. It's a thing not seen. Or salvation, eternal life. Where's the substance of that? Where where do you see that? We we believe it from the Bible. The Bible tells us those that God saved will live forever, but it, it's a, something not seen. How about heaven itself? The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Anybody ever seen it? Well, in the Bible, we have individuals like the Apostle Paul who were transported there for the purpose of divine revelation, receiving revelation, and he speaks of it in uh, glorious ways. But as far as all of us, we've never seen it. We've never seen heaven. But we trust and we believe. How many people kind of believe there's a heaven or kind of believe there's a God? There are some people like that. They're called agnostics. But God's people, God's elect, believe. Why? Because God has given his people eyes to see. To, uh, I think maybe Robert made reference to this verse a little earlier. And I quickly wrote it down in 2 Corinthians 4, in verse 18. It says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So that's the, that description applies only to the child of God. We look to invisible things, things that you can't see. Now, now what does the natural minded individual look to? What does the unsaved person in the world look at completely the opposite completely the opposite they look to the things which are seen and not to the things which are not seen and that's why when you're having a discussion with an atheist and he says now show me the evidence prove prove there's a god what is he really saying what's he want something he can see or or feel or smell, or, you know, something he can sense. And and so all we can do is go to Hebrews 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And if someone doesn't have faith, who is Christ, if, if they don't possess Jesus, then they're not going to uh, be able to... Uh, see in this spiritual realm that the Bible is is completely a part of. The Bible is a spiritual book. That It's basically the pathway that opens up the eyes of 
God's people to spiritual things so that we can see uh, the kingdom of heaven, we can see God, we can see many things that the Bible speaks of. Well, let's go down to verse 3 of Hebrews 11. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So everything we see around us, including ourselves or others, was not made of things which do appear. And again, that contradicts and is completely opposite what the world wants and insists upon that everything that we see, everything that is made, comes from that which was, that which did appear. They don't care what that thing is. They don't care what, in the very beginning of of what they would say, where all things exploded, they don't care if it was a ooze or you can call it whatever you want as long as it was something, some kind of matter. That's what's important to them because that has physical substance. That is something they physically can see. And, uh, and so they will hold to the most outlandish, ridiculous theory possible to maintain that things which we now see came from other things that could be seen. Uh, that is material to material. And that leads them with uh, the origins of eternal matter, but they don't care. They, they really only want that there, there was a natural beginning of all things. But the Bible tells us, no, that's not how it was. If we go to Genesis chapter 1, it says in verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Where did the heaven and earth come from? Where, where did God find these elements and these ingredients to whip together this whole universe, this heaven and earth? He spoke. He just said, let there be a sun, moon, stars, earth. And then he begins speaking and creates the creatures and, and everything that, that we find in the world. And God made these things out of nothing. Just through the power of his word, he created and brought things which now appear out of that which was not there before. Things that, that do not appear. And that's what um, Hebrews 11 is telling us. In Colossians chapter 1, Colossians 1, it says, beginning in verse 15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. So God created the visible things and the invisible things. 
which means the invisible things are also creatures or part of a creation. Only you can't see them while in this world, in this particular creation, and, and, and God speaks of dominions and principalities and powers, and we won't get into that, but just think of angels, angelic beings. Can we see angels? Do angels exist? Yes, according to the Bible, they're ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation. Satan and the demons are fallen angels. Can you see Satan? Can, can we see any of these demons? They're, they're all in the spiritual realm created by God, initially created to be good, yet they exist. And, and so there is a spiritual reality or there is a, a reality to invisible things. And we, we understand that. We recognize that as a child of God. But the world doesn't. The world laughs at the idea of a Satan. The world laughs more and more at the idea of a God. And, and uh, anything that goes beyond the boundaries of the physical realm is, is a fairy tale to them. It's unreal to them. And, and this is where the Bible talks about um, having eyes to see. Remember, Jesus would say that again and again. Let him who has eyes to see or ears to hear understand. And that's the problem with the people of the world is these things of the Bible are operating in a completely different realm that they're blind to, deaf to, and dead to. They have no life in that realm. So to the person of the world, this is it. This is it. You and them and, and whatever uh, uh, things are in the world. That's um, what they completely believe because that's what they're limited to by God. By God. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Another verse I've noticed and speaking with atheists, is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And um, it says in 1 Corinthians 1, in verse 21, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. Did you, did you hear that? In the wisdom of God... The world, by its wisdom, knew not God. So, don't, we should never be disturbed or troubled or bothered that there are atheists and, and people that do not know God because ultimately it's from God. God's the one who opens the eyes of one and keeps the blinders on the other. And in their blindness, in the darkness, they can't see him. And, and so it's obvious to them there could not have been a God to create the world. Therefore, it had to have some natural beginning. And no matter how ridiculous it sounds, it must be evolution, some kind of big bang or explosion, because God is hidden from them. He, he, 
he cannot be seen by them. And, and so they go from there. And that's all within the wisdom of God itself. Now, um, let's also go to Romans chapter 1. Romans 1 in verse 20. It says, For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So on one hand, God says that they know him not by by God's own uh, divine decree, really, because he, he keeps knowledge of himself hidden from them. But on the other hand, man has no excuse. And the knowledge of God is written in each individual's heart. And God has created the world, which has come from nothing. And we all know that's true. The atheist knows that true deep down. Everyone knows that's the case. The world has come from nothing. And and that's impossible. You can't have something come from nothing. And that's why God says in Psalm 19 that people are without excuse. Uh, Or as he says here in Romans 1, Uh, And this is the reason, because, uh, as it says here, the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. So the created world testifies and, and witnesses to the invisible creator. In Psalm 19, verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. All over the world, in every country, people see the creation, and the creation is showing the handiwork of God, that, uh, that it has come forth, that man exists, or animals exist, that trees exist, and, and oceans is all a testament to the one who cannot be seen that he has done it. And, and so the invisible things are, are made manifest or seen in that way to the, the people of the world. All right, let's go back to Hebrews 11. And I want to go down to verse 7 of, of this chapter. Hebrews 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet. Not seen. So go back to verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And, and so God came to Noah and he warned him of things not seen as yet. How did God warn Noah? He, he told him. He spoke to him. So the word of God warned Noah. First of all, God told him uh, to build an ark because I'm going to destroy the world with a flood. 
And Noah went about the business of building the ark for 120 years. Then God came to Noah and said, yet seven days and I'll destroy the world with the flood. And seven days later, the, the flood did take place. And, and so it was the word of God speaking to Noah. Did he see the flood as yet when God came to him the first time, 120 years, and gave him the enormous task of building the ark? Did he see the flood even once the ark was completed and, and God came and said one more week, seven days? No, he, he didn't see the water. He didn't see the flood. So he acted on faith. Faith is response, uh, an obedient response to the word of God on matters not seen, on things you can't see. And, and, and this relates to the time prior to May 21. If we go to Ezekiel chapter 33, Ezekiel 33, it says in uh, verse 2, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people. Now, the sword God is talking about isn't a literal sword. It, it's to represent his judgment. It's to represent his wrath. The watchman is, first of all, Christ, but it's also the true believer, the child of God. And all of us in that time were watchmen. We're no longer watchmen. But in that time, we were watchmen who were to keep watch in the Bible and we saw through the Word of God information concerning the judgment of God coming on the world, the sword coming on the land. And when you see that, you have a responsibility and obligation to blow the trumpet and warn the people. As it says in verse 4, Then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him, but he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. And that's what God's elect did, perform the task of the watchman uh, in, a, um, in a good way. Up until May 21, 2011, the warning was issued, judgment day is coming, the door shuts Salvation is only available to that point. And God moved. He prompted a reaction within his elect all over the world. They did go to him or were drawn by God more accurately. God saved his people. And it was all based on things not seen. The the whole lot of it, everything had to do with invisible things. We were, we were, um, uh, telling people that we can see this in the Bible. And then God actually did bring to pass a judgment, a spiritual judgment. Now, uh, I just want to mention, uh, that at this point in time, we're no longer watchmen. 
We're, we're regarding October 7th, 2015. We're not trying to warn anybody. That's not our purpose. What good would it do? If, if anyone is going out handing out tracts thinking, oh, I gotta get this out to warn people, you have the wrong idea. Because you can give that person a track. And let's say they're unsaved. And let's say they, they have a reaction and they say, well, what do I do? You know, what are you going to tell them? It, the Bible says that there is no more salvation. And, and so we have to share that information with people. And we, we can't give anyone false hope or false encouragement. So we can only tell them, look, these things are settled. Everyone's eternal spiritual condition is established by God. It cannot change. God will not change it. And, and so uh, the role of watchman was for the day of salvation. It's not for this time period, for for the time of judgment. Um, let's let's go to First Timothy. Just want to look at a verse where it speaks of God as the invisible God in First Timothy, chapter one, and verse seventeen says, "Now unto the King eternal, immortal." Invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. And, you know, this is how God wants it to be. It's how the uh, the whole plan of God's program of salvation is worked out spiritually, invisibly. And, and so God has brought to pass spiritual judgments that are that are real judgments that take place in the spiritual realm. For instance, the judgment on the churches and congregations was a spiritual judgment. We don't go to church today. Why not? Because God's people believe and fully understand that the Holy Spirit has abandoned the church, has come out of the church, and for a time, for 23 years, Satan who also could not be seen, was set up as the man of sin within the churches and congregations. And and God did not want his people to go to church, but commanded them to come out. It was all in the spiritual realm. And, and so, likewise, on May 21, 2011, God brought to pass a spiritual judgment on the world and... Uh, you know, I've heard it many times. People say, well, you're just making that up. You're, you're just trying to, um, cover your mistakes because you were wrong about May 21, 2011, that nothing happened. Can you see why somebody would say nothing happened? Some people say there's no God because he's invisible. Some people say there was no creation because it would, it would require Things that appear coming from things which do not appear. And it, some people never left the church because they could not see an invisible judgment. When they looked around their church, everything was fine. Wall to wall carpet, air conditioning, probably cooler than it is in here right now. And good fellowship, friends, a nice pastor who preaches good messages. All was well. What are you talking about? 
that God has left and Satan is here. I don't see Satan. Well, it, that's how God has determined to work in the spiritual realm uh, concerning things that cannot be seen. Now, um, remember what Jesus said to Thomas in John chapter 20. John 20, beginning in verse 24. It says there, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, Because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. Again, Thomas is really representative of people of the world. I will not believe unless I see it. And, you know, if you show God to any atheist, he would believe. If it were if God showed himself. If God showed himself to any person, sure. They even said of Jesus on the cross, come down and then we'll believe you. If you show your power to us, demonstrate something we can see, we can observe, we can perceive. And then we will believe. But God is very particular and careful to keep things in the spiritual realm. He does not um, show himself. He does not show his power. He does not show his ability to mankind in order to convince them. It's just not what he does. God rather operates in um, in invisible ways. And uh, Jesus says that uh, the one that believes without seeing is blessed. And that would be the elect, the children of God. Well, let's um, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And it says in verse 7, and this is the principle that every child of God operates by, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith. And faith is the substance of things not seen. The evidence or, or the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And that's how we walk. Uh, you know, some people uh, say, well, uh, what do you think about October 7th, 2015? And I think a very appropriate reaction or response would be to say, do you think it's going to happen? I hope so. I hope so. And, of course, some people can twist that. Oh, you hope everyone will be. No, 
No, I don't hope for a destruction of people or, or their end. I hope that the word of God is fulfilled. That's the hope of all of God's elect, that he will fulfill his promises. And hope it can be a, a very appropriate response because if we're hoping for something, what if you hope, I hope everyone in the church is saved. Can you hope for that? No, because it's it's not the case. Or I hope God saves the whole world. I hope every human being becomes saved. No, that's not something we hope for. So what is hope conditioned by? By the Bible. By the Bible. Can we hope for a new heaven and new earth? Why? Because the Bible everywhere speaks of a new heaven and new earth. Can we hope that God will fulfill his word and bring about the day of resurrection and the day of the rapture? Yes, those things are according to the Bible. And can I hope that it will happen on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles? Yes, because that's according to the Bible, isn't it? Because God relates the phrase last day to the Feast of Tabernacles. Can I hope that God will create a new heaven and new earth, give me and all of his people resurrected bodies, end this world, destroying sin in the process, creating a new heaven, new earth, where we'll dwell with him forevermore, and and have that hope at this particular time in history, because the things the Bible talks about regarding the church have been fulfilled, have come to pass. Yes, that gives me hope that that the new heaven and new earth, the resurrected uh, body of the saints is close at hand. Can I have even more hope because sin has multiplied across the face of the earth? Iniquity has abounded. And that's something the Bible says will take place at the end. Yes. And, and you know, as, as all the scriptures begin to support these ideas. Well, can I have hope in the biblical calendar of history? Can I trust in the biblical calendar of history? Where does that come from? Does it does it come from just uh, you know uh, archaeologists? It, did some archaeologists discover a finding in, in in some cave somewhere, and they brought forth a calendar completely outside the Bible? That's not where the biblical calendar of history comes from. It's called the biblical calendar because it comes from the Bible. And things that come from the Bible can be trusted, can be hoped in. Isn't that true? We hope we have eternal life because it comes from the Bible. We hope there is a God because the Bible tells us the things that come from the Bible that the Bible tells us about are invisible. They're not seen as yet. They're not here as yet. They've not come to pass as yet. But I, as a child of God, can hope in them, trusting that these things, many of them are certain and sure, and in some cases, having a good hope that maybe October 7th, 2015, will be the end of the world, and the beginning of eternity future. I can have that hope, can I? 
I can have a good hope because there's much biblical evidence based on the calendar of history, based on the circumstances the Bible talks of. There Actually, there's nothing left to be fulfilled. There, There's nothing left the Bible hasn't spoken of regarding the time of the end of the world that we haven't already seen. And it's just a matter of being humble and and saying, well, you know, I hope, I hope this is so because it fits the word of God. It, it It's something that identifies with the scriptures as far as I can see and understand them. And we do know God is going to do these things. He tells us, surely there is an end. And thine expectation, what's an expectation? What is, what, how would you, what's another word? How would you describe an expectation? Hope. Thine expectation shall not be cut off. Surely there is an end and your hope will not be cut off. Now, I can't say that about the unsaved people. Their hopes will be cut off. And But as far as the true believers, we can have a good hope. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. In Romans 8, it says beginning um, in verse uh, 22. I'll start there. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, Why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. And patience has been key in this time period. After you have done the will of God, you have need of patience. What for? Because you're hoping. You're hoping. You're waiting patiently with hope. And and hoping uh, we're saved by hope. Now, in, in this context, it's speaking of the salvation of the physical body. We've already been saved in soul, but you know, tell you the truth, we're 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 unregenerate in body. What you see out there in the world of, of an individual in both body and soul, that's us in body. Our bodies are just like that. They they are in sin and. So we're hoping that God will change or save my body when the, uh, He comes and, and when He brings the, about the resurrection. Uh, take a look at Acts 23 and verse 6. But when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am called in question. Or in chapter 23 of Acts, uh, oh, 
That was chapter 23. Chapter 26, Acts 26, and beginning in verse 6. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise are twelve tribes instantly serving God day and night, hope to come, for which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? Is that incredible? That God should raise the dead. Is that hope absurd? To the world it is, but not to the true believer. And, and you know, when people say, uh, as, as, yes, we have another date, and there's been a constant battle about this, what do people want the believer to do? Stop looking. Stop looking. Have you heard that? Have you heard that? Stop looking for a date, but really stop looking. What, what's, it's not just a date, is it? We're looking for a resurrection of our body, of all bodies. We're looking for an end to the world. We're looking for a transformation of earth from sin curse to a new heaven and new earth. Stop looking. Be content. It's nice here. Yeah, if this is all you can see, if this is all you have, if you're limited to this physical realm, you're, you better think it's nice because there's nothing else. But it's basically telling the child of God, stop hoping. Stop hoping. Stop turning to the Bible with expectation. That, that God will reveal information regarding the fulfillment of His Word and of His promises. And, and that's why God's people don't stop. Because God has given us hope. We, we hope in these things. Uh, take a look at Titus chapter 2. Titus 2. And beginning in verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. That's speaking to each one of us. God, And, and first of all, it does lead to godly living or um, to living in a more God-glorifying way, but it's tied to looking for the blessed hope. Basically, hope is a person. It's Jesus, just like faith, and, and all of our hope is wrapped up in Him. We're looking for the coming of Christ and His glorious appearing, and that relates to Second Peter 3, that... Um, says in verse 11, it's very similar to what Titus just said, Second Peter 3.11, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, 
wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Stop looking. And God keeps saying looking. Looking. And this word looking is an, it's a word that's the same as in Acts 28 when the apostle Paul had the, um, what was it? A serpent, uh, some kind of beast latch onto his hand and, and bite him. And it was a venomous beast and he shook it off into the fire and all the natives of Malta were looking. They were looking closely, waiting for him to drop down dead because they knew that was a deadly, uh, venomous uh, creature. And, and if it would have bitten anybody else, they would be dead in a short while. And so they were looking with full attention, deep concentration. That's the word looking for and hasting, looking for our blessed hope and glorious appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's why true believers continue to search the Bible and, and to look for uh, the, the, the coming of Christ. You know, uh, isn't that what the people of God did concerning the first coming? Uh, if we, we take a look at First um, Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. Now this is speaking of, of Jesus. And notice it's past tense. It's speaking of prophets of old who prophesied of the grace that, uh, that should come unto you searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them did signify. So the prophets of old uh, inquired and searched diligently concerning when will the Messiah come? The promise of God for over 11,000 years. They inquired and searched the Bible and they testified or, or what does it say? They were searching what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, um, which was in them did signify. And, and that's why uh, there were men like Simeon who knew that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah, before he had seen the Christ. And Anna, who spoke of him, God's people searched for the first coming of Christ and waited looking for him. What did the church of that day do? The, the uh, Old Testament flock of Israel. Were they, were they searching? Were they interested? When they heard the news uh, from the wise men, remember Herod was troubled by that information, and it said all Jerusalem with him. They were troubled by the thought of the coming king, the coming Messiah. And, and so they, uh, they kept that mindset all throughout the life of Christ, always disputing, always arguing, always denying he's not the Messiah. He was right there in front of them. And what has the church at the end done but repeat itself and done worse than its uh, younger brother, the, the church of Israel? They hear information about end time things. They deny, they dismiss, they ignore, and they just turn the other way. Exactly 
following the pattern of Israel of old. But God's people, like prophets of old, search. They search the scriptures, and and in doing so, uh, God's plan was to open them up to reveal much end-time information. Well, uh, let's, let's just go to Romans 15. This will be our last verse. Romans chapter 15. Uh, I wanted to go to a few others in Hebrews 11, but I don't think we'll have time. Romans 15 and verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. And it's, it's the Bible that gives hope. The Scripture is the Word of God. And if we have an understanding built upon the Scripture, then we can have a good hope, a good expectation. And, and so uh, I hope October 7th uh, of this year will be the, the completion of all things because the Bible allows that hope. And, and so we can hope in it. All right, let's... Let's stop here and we'll close with a word of prayer and and then we'll sing a hymn. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for things that we don't deserve and we haven't earned. We're merited in any way. We're, We're not worthy. We're not deserving of your salvation. We have sinned. We have offended. We have rebelled. We're no better than anybody else. We're not holier in any way. Uh, we, uh, we have done wrong. And yet, in your mercy, in your grace, in your wonderful, magnificent salvation plan, you have washed away our sins. You have cleansed us and baptized us by the Holy Spirit. And you have brought us uh, under your wings and into your kingdom. And so we stand clean, washed, righteous, pure, holy in your sight, with no offense, no blot, uh, no blemish, no sin of any kind, do you see? And Father, we know that this is already done, uh, that either uh, we're someone who has been completely washed, completely cleansed, or we're someone who does not have one sin or a hundred sins, but a multitude of sins. It's it's the only other option if we're unsaved. And so, Father, we we do thank you that uh, you have purged away all iniquity and we can uh, then be clothed with the robes of Christ's righteousness through his obedience. We are made righteous and we thank you that we can look to Him. And Father, we thank You that You have given us uh, sight and eyes to see Yourself and Your Word and the things Your Word speaks of, Your kingdom. And Father, it has been a great help and comfort to us as we, we do go through trials and afflictions in this world, in this life, that we can... Uh, look up and we can hope and wait with uh, an expectation for a, a new heaven, a new earth, a new body. And 
uh, for eternal life. And Father, we pray for our families. We ask, having had mercy, you might have mercy upon them. Is it possible that maybe uh, one or more may have experienced your salvation before you shut the door of heaven? We pray for um, our relatives and neighbors and, and all we come in contact with. We Pray for everyone here or listening and ask that you would bless them. And may you help us. May you uh, work out um, things within us that we might do your will more and more. Father, we ask for your blessing, but we don't deserve it only for Christ's sake. And in his name we pray. Amen.